Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Excited to have you here for episode 77, where I bring on an integrative nutritionist, Courtney Swan, and she is the founder and creator of Real Foodology. Um, so go check her out, realfoodology.com, um, on Instagram, at realfoodology. And, you know, her mission is to make eating easier and normalize mental health and taboos. And we get into a lot of this stuff on the episode. I'm just really excited for everyone to listen in, especially if you do like nutrition and diet and those type of things. Um, We get into a lot of different topics around that. So really appreciate Courtney come on and uh, share her journey and obviously share a lot of her knowledge around nutrition. So let's jump into the episode with her and uh, excited for you guys to hear it. Let's get it started. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. I'm I'm a big like health nut and nutrition and stuff's a huge part of my life. So I'm really excited to get into this with you and, and talk through it. Um, I want to take a big step back though, kind of start maybe at the beginning, I guess we can call it. But I, I'm curious, um, maybe talk to the listeners a little bit, give a little insight and it helped me as well. Like when or how, I guess, did you become I guess, fascinated with food and, and maybe more importantly, like nutrition. Was that early on in your life? Did that come later on? Can you, can you share kind of the beginnings of that? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I was never really into it as a kid. In fact, if anything, I was quite the opposite. So I grew up in a really healthy home, um, which is what eventually sparked my interest, but it didn't come until much later. Um, I was that kid, and I'm sure everybody had at least one of these friends where My mom only shopped at the organic natural food stores. So I, anytime would go to a friend's house, I would just like, I mean, I would destroy their pantry. I would just eat everything in sight that I could, all the junk food, drink all the sodas, eat all their candy because I didn't have any of that stuff at home. Um, And so growing up and my mom loves to tell this story that I was very resentful of her because one of my best friends would eat, you know, Burger King, McDonald's and all this stuff every week. And I not only wanted the junk food, but I wanted all the toys that came along with it. And I was always so like mad at my mom for not allowing me to really eat there. And she did like occasionally, but it was just not, it was very rare that I got to eat there um, because my mom has always been really health conscious. So fast forward to college. So again, I was very resistant to it as a kid. And then I moved out, went to college in Colorado and I went crazy. I ate fast food. I didn't, you know, care at all about health and wellness in that sense. And then, you know, I gained the classic like 15, probably more like freshman 20. And at that point it was like, and you know, and even then it was kind of a superficial thing where I was like, Oh my God, I gained all this weight. What can I do? And at the same time, my mom had been kind of like slowly trying to get me more interested in health and wellness. So she would, you know, mail me this book, or, and this was before we obviously had the internet, but it was really not as big as it is now with like email and everything. So she would literally cut out newspaper clippings and mail them to me about hydrogenated oils, um, which are trans fats. And just like, just, just, I felt like she was just kind of slowly trying to like sprinkle it in without being too over, overbearing while well, it worked. Um, I took a nutrition class my last year of college and for my undergrad. And I was like, oh crap, what did I do? I'm so into this. Why did I not study nutrition? Um, I ended up, (laughs) so I graduated, I then went on tour with a band for, I mean, I toured for like five years and then over that course. Wait, wait, you were in the, you were in a band? No, 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 no. I was a tour manager. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I, I didn't know. I I was curious. I'm getting into that. that. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. So I worked in music then after I graduated college. So I really kind of took like a detour for a while, but all during that time could not get enough of health and wellness. I was reading Mike and, or sorry, Michael Pollan books. Um, and I was getting really into like Dr. Mark Hyman. And I just, I eventually hit a point where I was like, I don't want to do the music thing anymore. I really want to go back and study nutrition. So then I went back to school. I got my, uh, I got my graduate, or I went my sorry, my master's in nutrition. I went to graduate school, and finished that like two and a half years ago. And, and uh, you, here we are. <laughs> why, why did your and maybe you've had these discussions like with your mom? Why was that such a big thing for her? Kind of eating organic, making sure you were eating healthy. Did did she ever? Did she ever explain that to you? Why that was? You know. She really hasn't. And actually, now that you say that, I'm going to go back and <laughs> call her today and ask her because um, I've never like just point blank asked her that question. My mom lived in Colorado before um, moving to Texas with my dad and she was living in Boulder and Boulder has just always been a really healthy, like health conscious. I mean, Colorado in general is pretty like health minded. And I think um, it just had a bit big impact on her. And she just she loves to cook. She lived in Italy for a year. And I think it just kind of came from this like passion for um, cooking from whole real food ingredients. And then just over time, like learning more about health and wellness and just, just got really into it. She's an amazing cook. And I think it kind of started there. So. And was there any certain part of nutrition that was like a, maybe a kind of an eye opener for you, I guess, as you went through schooling and starting to learn a little bit more, anything in particular that was like, wow, this is, I was completely wrong on everything in this topic. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of overarching, but I would say in general, I was really, when I was first really getting into health and wellness and learning about everything, I was so blown away by how obvious it was. However, our society really doesn't make the correlation and we're not taught this in school. I I mean, hopefully it's changing now, but when I grew up in school, we weren't even really taught the correlation of like what you put in your body is what fuels your body. It's what, um, I mean, it just, it, it, it's what your entire body is made up of essentially is what you eat. And I, for some reason it was so simple, but when I finally like really made that connection, I was like, this is so simple and obvious. How are we not making this correlation? Um, and hopefully now more people are, but I feel like at least when I was growing up, we just weren't making that correlation. I still think there's a lot of misinformation, but just the really simple basic connection of what you put in your body is what is going to affect everything in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's actually that was funny. Kind of I was well, no. And it's funny you say that because actually I don't think they're teaching it that much. I have a seven year old and they're not really teaching it that much, at least at, at that age. Um, and they should be. Um, well, and I, and I had a kind of similar path to you where I kind of, well, a little, I guess, different is I ate horribly, but I didn't think anything about food though. Uh, until later in life where it's like, oh my God, this kind of eye-opening thing. And that's why I said kind of leading in where I've been very fascinated about nutrition and just what you put in your body and how that determines really, you know, do you get sick or not get sick and all that stuff. I want to get in that a little bit. Um, But while we're on the topic, like what are some things, and maybe it's, you know, uh, people that you work with or just questions you get asked by friends, like what are some myths out there right now that, are this completely false, but maybe they're getting pushed on by marketing or by, you know, lobbyists in Washington or something like that. Yeah. I mean, this one is definitely being challenged right now, I would say in the mainstream public, but I still think there's some misinformation 
is that high fat diets or just like good fats in general do not make you fat. Um, I think we're so scared of fats because of the, you know, the crazy low fat diet craze that we went through in like the eighties and nineties. And I think that a lot of people are still feeling that way. A lot of people are really scared and hesitant to eat fat. They think it's going to make them fat. Um, I mean, I would, I would argue to say that eating fat is actually what makes you lose weight. Not even argue It's the science is showing us that now. Um, so I would say that's a big one. There's another one. There's a lot of clashing heads right now. And I would say this is more having to do with lobbying and just the spread of misinformation and there's money in bad places. Um, but the organic versus non-organic and kind of like the non-GMO conversation, um, there's a lot of misinformation spread around it, but ultimately organic is the way to go because yes, they spray some pesticides on there, but the, the list of pesticides that they're allowed to spray on organic crops versus the non-organic is very small, very minimal. And for the most part, they're not using synthetic pesticides. Um, so yeah, I would say those are kind of two of the big misinformations at the moment. And, and just so fo folks listen, because this is actually something that's fascinating me more recently is around, you know, the fats, it's, it's good fats, like you're talking about like avocados and coconut oil and those type of things, um, where not not just going to eat just, you know, random stuff that's fried up, like there's a huge difference yeah. in those type of fats. So just so I guess, unless you want to elaborate on that, I guess, for, for everyone listening, because are, are there anything you'd steer them to? I mentioned a couple, but anything in particular you'd steer to to like, make sure you add to your diet? Yeah. I mean, like you kind of touched on the the big ones. So I would say avocados, um, fatty fish, like salmon is a great source of fat, nuts and seeds. So almonds are great. Peanut butter is good in moderation. Um, but make sure you're buying the good, clean, natural, organic peanut butter, not the Jiffy that has hydrogenated fats. Um, hydrogenated fats are what are known as trans fats. And they, they heat the fat up to um, a certain temperature that actually changes the molecular structure of it. And we're realizing now that trans fats are, I mean, they're honestly worse on the body than cigarettes, which is crazy, but they have some studies out there about it. Um, I like to equate it with like, it's kind of like eating plastic, like it hardens your arteries um, and it's not great. So yeah, it's really important to differentiate between the, the good and the bad fats. Um, canola oil, another really popular fat that is not good. Um, and I mean, I can go a little bit into this, but the part of the reason with canola oil is that it's higher in omega-6 than it is in omega-3s. And you want both in your body. You want omega-3s and omega-6s. However, they need to be in a ratio. And you want the omega-3s to be um, out of three. And if we're speaking ratio, speaking like three to one. And omegas, omega-6s out of one. And canola, it's switched. So it's a lot higher omega-6s. And when you have a higher level of omega-6s in your body, it can lead to inflammation. Um, and inflammation is kind of the root of all like chronic disease and, uh, yeah, so I would say as far as I'm trying to think of other good fats that I didn't mention, avocados, like you said, coconut oil is a great one. Coconut oil has also been getting a huge bad rap lately, but I think it's because, and this is something really important to note about where you're getting your information from. Um, anytime you see some sort of like article online that's claiming something just really like canola oil is bad for you or coconut oil is bad for you. You want to see where the source is, is where that information is coming from. Um, there's been a lot of pushback lately to the coconut oil in general because canola oil is now their sales are going down. And so the canola oil industry is now 
pushing to say that coconut oil is bad. So you always just want to, you want to really research where your information is coming from and see who is behind it and who has something to lose with that information or gain. Yeah. And, and I want to go down some parallel paths here because I, I definitely yeah. want to keep picking your brain on some of this stuff. But Absolutely. one of the things I wanted to mention, because obviously you've built a pretty good online presence, right? Yeah. You, you've kind of, that's how, that's how I found you, um, yeah. you know, as I'm searching through nutrition stuff on, online. But the, so talking to me about going down that path. So obviously you, you graduated, got your master's and was the goal to kind of start your own business? Was it to go work for, I don't know, some corporate office and be like a wellness director? Like what was the, what was the plan after you got your master's? What were you going to do? Yeah. Okay. So it's funny that you asked that because my, <laughs> I've had a plan and then I've kind of been doing this, like kind of just moving sideways up, down. Um, when I first went to school, my plan originally was to get my degree and my certification. And then I wanted to have my own clients as I went through school and, um, through part of my programming, we had to take on mock clients for a year and just having different sessions. I kind of realized personally that that's not really where I want to focus and maybe not necessarily my strong suit because as I got more into it, I'm really, really into um, the political side of things. I want to be more involved with changing the food industry. And so, <laughs> but again, I'm not even at that space right now. I use my platform to be, to get really political but I kind of decided that clients are not really my, what I want to do. Um, I ended up after I graduated um, from school, well, actually, sorry, while I was in school still, um, I got an email from a friend who, so I mentioned earlier, I, I used to work as a tour manager and I don't want to go too into detail about this because I'd rather talk about the health and wellness, but to give you a little backstory, I graduated college. I started tour, man tour managing, um, a friend's band that was, we all went to college together. They got pretty big for a while. So we toured for a couple of years, moved on to another band. I quit. Well, then when I left and I went back to school, I got an email from an old friend of mine who works in the same music space. And he was like, Hey, I know you're doing nutrition stuff. Now we're looking for somebody who can take care of this artist that I work with. Her name is Toblo, um, who, who could essentially come on and keep her healthy on the road. And I'm so sorry. My dog just walked in and scared me. No, that's all right. Um, but so he, the fun of these podcasts, you know, I know. I was like, what is that? Um, okay. So he was like, Hey, we want somebody who has a background in touring who can go out on the road, but also, you know, can keep her healthy on the road essentially. So that's how I ended up back out on the road um, and so, like I said, you know, I had one plan and then this kind of came in. And so I ended up touring for the last four years with her fully in charge of her food as her nutritionist. Um, I'm, I recently left, so I've been home for about a month now and I'm trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to do next, but yeah. So long story short, I wanted to have clients. I want I want to be more on the political side now though, after learning about our food industry, it's just, it needs to be fit. Well, and I think that's great. You know, it's so interesting with this audience and and the folks that I bring on here and talk to, you know, the whole just get started, you know, mentality, right? Is that you just have to take those steps and, and you obviously tried some things, you did it for a little while. Now it's like, hey, you know, what? I want to pivot and do something else that's maybe I'm, and you start learning over the years. You know, if I, you know, if I talk to people and said, hey, five or six years ago, I'm going to do my own podcast as an example, like 
no, I don't think I was going to do that. So yeah. things change over time and, and you have different, as I call them, North stars that you're trying to go after. Um, and, and sometimes that does change, but as long as you're going in that direction, as you're saying, is it kind of solving some of these problems that you're seeing? Because there are some massive ones out there. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the biggest one is the, and again, this is, I don't want to go, we can go down this path if we want, but just around like the obesity epidemic and, Absolutely. you know, pumping a lot, the, 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 um, Something fascinating. I watched on, um, or I listened to, I think it was Chris Kresser on uh, Joe Rogan, probably about eight, maybe it was a year ago, year and a half ago, used to, was on this podcast. But anyways, he was saying like a third of the, of America is either diabetes or pre-diabetes. And that for me, I'm just like, what? That's just insane. Um, so when you start going into the, that I don't know, that was a little tangent, sorry. But when you start going into the political side or maybe go down the path, like, is there an issue? Is it obesity to tackle? Is it other types of um, illnesses to tackle? Is it just overall um, awareness? Like, what are some things? I mean, I'm getting rid of factory farming. I don't, I don't know. Is there certain things that you're going after in that realm of nutrition? Yeah, so a lot of people may not know this, but we pay farmers subsidies in order to grow certain crops that, um, so essentially we pay, yeah, we pay them to grow certain crops. Um, the crops that we're paying farmers right now to grow mainly are soybeans, corn, cotton, and I think there's something else I'm missing. I can't think off the top of my head right now, but it's why we see so much corn and soy in our food. Um, there's a lot of people that argue, myself included, that if we could change those subsidies and uh, pay farmers to grow healthier foods like fruits and vegetables, um, it would make the cost of those fruits and ve vegetables go down. So the biggest issue here and why we're seeing such an obesity epidemic is that it's harder than ever for people to afford fresh food. And then there's a lot of people living in, um, in America specifically in what we call food deserts where they do not have a grocery store serving them fresh, like fresh, um, sorry, fruits and vegetables within walking distance of their home. Um, and so that means that they, you know, sometimes need to take a 20 minute bus ride or drive their car if they have a car. So they're buying their fruits and vegetables from 7-Eleven down the street or, you know, the Conoco, the gas station. So that's a huge one. Um, the cost to eat, to buy fruits and vegetables is often higher than it is to just go and buy you know, package of, let's say ramen or whatever, you know, and that ramen's full of corn and soy, which is why, oh, wheat was the other one I was trying to think of. Um, so yeah, that is kind of the biggest thing. The, like you said, the obesity epidemic too is just wild because we're also seeing um, sugar is really cheap and we're putting it in a lot of food as well. And Americans are addicted to sugar. And, I mean, sugar is an addictive it's just an addictive substance, like a drug. And so food companies are realizing that if we put, if they put it in their products, people are going to be addicted. They're going to buy more of it. Um, yeah. So I would say first, we really need to tackle the subsidies and start paying farmers to grow healthier crops so that the, the prices of the food will go down and become more accessible for people. Yeah. And what's fascinating to me too, on that note is the, and, and someone can fact check me on this if they want to get back to me, but I believe this is true based on a lot of the research because I do um, on this stuff is that with all those crops you mentioned, like that's why like even meat. So I don't eat meat. I'm a pescatarian. haven't eaten meat for besides like, you know, an absolute necessity and I have to kind of thing, but I haven't eaten it really for about three years. And for a variety of reasons, um, a lot of it's really just how these factory farms are, but one of the fascinating things I, I read and, and have kind of researched about is that 
the cows, as an example, are actually less, quote unquote, healthy than they were years ago because they're feeding them corn instead of grass fed because corn's a lot cheaper to give the cows. So it's interesting, even what, you know, the steak that you're eating today is different than, you know, my dad ate 20 years ago is 20 years ago was actually a lot healthier probably for them. Um, so that even stuff that you think is quote unquote healthy is actually maybe not as much and it's not as good for your body, um, which is just Absolutely. fascinating. Uh, anything to add to that? What, what are your thoughts on, I'm curious and, and whether you eat meat or not, but like just on, on livestock and factory farming and, and things of that nature and kind of how we're putting stuff in our body, maybe that's not as, again, not as clean, I guess is the best word is, as it used to be, or we think it is. So this is a, you just touched on a subject that I love to talk about as well. Um, you're right. So corn fed cows, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to say it. They're, they're sick. You're eating sick animals. If you're eating conventionally um, grown corn fed cows, you're eating a sick animal because, um, and the wild thing too, is that we're feeding livestock food that could be used for human consumption. We're so worried about feeding the world, quote unquote, um, if we really truly were worried about feeding the world, then we would be feeding them grass because humans don't eat grass. And the thing is, is so cow stomachs were designed to eat and metabolize grass. When they're outside and they're enjoying the sunshine, they're getting vitamin D from the sunshine, they're eating grass, which is what their bodies were designed to metabolize. They're in turn, this is what we talked about earlier, the connection of what you fuel your body with is what your body is going to use um, to build your cells to build your body. So, um, whatever, what you eat is what your body is going to be made up of. And so it's the same that goes for the food that you eat. I say this all the time. I'm like, what you are, you eat what your food eats. So when they're eating corn, um, they're producing a different type of fat. Their fat is going to be a lot higher in omega sixes, which is what I talked about earlier, which leads to inflammation on top of that, because they're eating corn, um, and their bodies were designed for grass. They're getting really sick. So they're, now they're sick. So then they have to be put on drugs. So either antibiotics, um, they, they're put on hormones. So that they get fatter quicker so that they can bring them to the slaughter. Because the thing is, is if you can fatten a cow up in six months versus a year, you're going to make more money on that cow because you can sell it a lot sooner. And that's a lot less food you have to feed them. So, and that's another thing too, is they're also feeding them corn to fatten them up. And then they're adding in the hormones to fatten them up even quicker. And so, like I said, you're eating that sick animal and you're eating a fat that's higher in omega sixes. Whereas if you were to get a really good organic grass fed steak, that meat is going to be so much healthier for you because that fat is going to be higher in omega threes than omega sixes. And it just, it lived a healthier life. I, really have a problem with factory farming, not only from a health standpoint, but also from a, just a humanity standpoint. It's the way that we're treating these animals. They're put in these tiny little pins. I mean, half the time they're not even allowed to have access to outside. Um, if they are, it's very limited. And we have, I think there's a huge disconnect between what we think is happening and what's actually happening. There's a, um, I mean, this is like really messed up in California. We have it's a joke. I don't think it's funny at all, but um, you can drive down a certain highway and drive past what people call uh, cow switch, like cow switch, um, cow switch, whatever, cow switch. And it's basically like concentration camps for cows. And we have this mentality and we think that, um, oh, these cows are out grazing in the sun and they're eating grass. But the reality is, is that they're living in these tiny little pens being fed corn and wheat to be fattened up on drugs and then being sold to slaughter, you know, a year and a half, two years later. 
It's really awful. Well, and I think, mo I, I think most people, and, and again, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, it's just something I wanted to uncover years ago was, I think a lot of people just rather turn a blind eye. For, you know, just like, hey, I, I want to keep eating my meat. You know, part of it's convenience, part people like the taste of it. So, hey, I want to keep doing that. Um, and, and too? Yo, go ahead. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I want to say as well, you can still eat your meat. I'm actually as a health um, professional, I'm an advocate for eating meat. I'm also, if you want to be vegetarian, pescatarian, I'm also an advocate for that as well. But I would say if you're buying good organic grass fed meats or pasteurized, if you're buying chicken or, and turkey, not only does it taste better, it tastes so much better, but it's healthier for you as well. So if taste is a factor, then stop buying the corn-fed steak because the difference in taste between the two is like incomparable. It's just, yeah. Yeah, and I agree. Actually, one of the reasons I went away from eating meat was because of what we're talking about, kind of the way they slaughter these animals, the way they live. I always said, listen, if if and, and I'm, I'm trying to do a little research to find this, if anyone's listening and, and wants to send me some notes or if you know anything, Courtney, but it's like, if there was a, you know, a humane way and there was a cow out there grazing for years and then they slaughter them and then, okay, I'm fine with eating meat there. It's, it's kind of, as you mentioned, kind of how they put them in these very tight pins. They can't move. Um, and, and it's really not a, a, not a humane life or way to live. So, um, kind of ridiculous, but again, hopefully, maybe hopefully that's one of the things you'll advocate for and, and change from a political standpoint. I'm hoping um, help out with. What are some things, I guess, more on a, on a lighter note, and we, we just went deep on that topic, lighter note, like, what do you like to eat? What's kind of a favorite food or two of yours right now? Ooh, you know, I mean, it's, I feel like everybody's eating this right now, but I'm really having a love affair with cauliflower rice at the moment. It's so versatile, and I can kind of, like, just do a refrigerator dump with any of the veggies that I have in my fridge and saute them in with cauliflower rice and do different sauces. Um, yeah, I've just, I'm loving it. So I can just kind of do almost like a big stir fry with different veggies. And then depending on what I'm craving that night, do different sauces, um, add, you know, chicken sausage or eggs. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, that's what I'm loving the most right now, to be honest. And do you make that from like a, a head of cauliflower or do you buy that frozen? How, how do you get the cauliflower rice? So I used to make a huge mess in my kitchen and chop up a head of cauliflower and then blend it in my Vitamix. But now Whole Foods and Trader Joe's both sell it in the frozen section already riced and it's organic. It's super easy. I literally just cut open the bag and then throw it in the pan. It's really easy. Besides cauliflower, let me put you on the spot again on this. Like, What are some things, again, people can look at themselves and say, all right, I'm in the grocery store. I want to buy something new and different, but it's going to be healthy. Maybe something almost off the wall they've never even considered, but it's an absolute must to put in their diet tomorrow. Oh, man. Um, that's a hard one to answer. You know, hmm. We ask the hard-hitting questions on this podcast, you know. <laughs> I mean, because I can't think of anything off the top of my head like that. I would just say, what if you have time, give yourself like an hour in the grocery store to really just like peruse, kind of go through the aisles. If you can, I always recommend people to try to go to places like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's. Um, if you have a 365, which is like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, basically, um, those are a lot more cost efficient. Because I, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with going to another, like a con more conventional grocery store. I just usually recommend that because it kind of helps to weed out all the junk. And if you go to a place like Whole Foods, you already know 
that um, the majority of the stuff in there is going to be a lot healthier for you. And then Whole Foods and Trader Joe's each have their own like in-house brand. And it's a lot cheaper than you would, than, you know, the more like known brands. Um, but I would say just like spend time in there because I have a hard time answering the question that you say, because I have so many people that come to me and they're like, just tell me what to eat. Tell me what to eat. But I really like to live um, intuitively and go by what I like to eat. So I like to ask people, what do you really like to eat? And then let's make that healthier. Um, so go, like I said, go to Whole Foods, go to the you know international section. If you're super into like Chinese food or whatever it is, try to find like healthier versions of what you already love. And one thing that I always say my motto um, when buying something in the grocery store, look at the ingredients. If you can, if you could honestly make this in your kitchen at home, buy it. I don't mean, could you literally like put in the time, actually make this? Like, I just mean that if you wanted to, could you buy all of those ingredients on that package and make it at home if you wanted to? If the answer is yes, then buy it. If it has, you know, some sort of long worded name of something that you've never even heard of, don't buy it because you wouldn't even know where to buy that ingredient. No, that's a great, that's a great answer. And, and actually it's, you know, kind of goes to the thing of most people, like if you want to be healthy or live a healthy lifestyle, you have to put in the time and take ownership of it and of your body and what you're putting in there. And to do that, you got to go out and research a little bit, you know, you got to go test the market and, and test it out. So, um, I, I want to take, I want to do a slight, again, I'm, I like to go on tangents here, but, um, you know, so obviously the, the way I came across you was through Instagram and, and some of this stuff. How did you build a, a following? Like, how did you know you wanted to build like a following or was that just something you started to do and you're like, oh, people are catching on and, and starting to like my content. Tell me a little bit about the inception of that. Yeah. So when I first started my Instagram, there was no sort of thought of like, oh, I'm going to make this huge. I mean, for one, when I started it, there was really not, um, such thing as people like nobody really had followers back then, you know, when I started it. So it really started just from a passion for healthy living and really wanting to share that passion with others. And it kind of just hit a point where I think it was when I hit like 20 K where, Oh, you know, honestly, when I hit like 10 K, I was like, Whoa, okay. People are, you know, paying attention and listening. So at that point there was really no thought, not that there wasn't thought into it, but it was kind of just like, I'd make my meal, I'd snap a quick photo. There was not even like editing involved and just like post it. So it was just like, there was not, it just kind of happened organically. I would say when I hit around 20 K was when I was like, Whoa, okay. People are paying attention. Um, I could maybe do something with this. And I, it also kind of came out of a necessity. So when I moved, I moved to Los Angeles three years ago from Nashville. When I first moved here, I moved without a job. All I had was, was my Instagram. And at that point, I was really not making a lot of money. I would get a little bit of money here and there just from a brand that was like, hey, we'd love, you know, we'd love for you to create a recipe using this. We'll pay you X amount. When I came to LA, it was kind of like, okay, I'm really, I'm going to give myself some time. I have a little bit of savings. I'm going to give myself some time. I'm going to really put some effort into this and see if I can make it a thing. And it just kind of took off. Um, I will say in the beginning, it was so much work and it was so time consuming. Um, I was spending way more time on Instagram and on my phone than I would even love to admit. I was posting three times a day. So I was cooking in the morning, photographing, posting, cooking, photographing, posting, and I would do that three times a day. Um, a lot of it would involve, you know, meal prepping, and then I would do a couple of different photos at a time, but it was really all day, seven days a week. Um, I didn't take a single day off. And then before I would go to bed every night and every morning when I'd wake up, I would go 
um, I would find a bunch of different like health and wellness and like fitness accounts that were similar to mine. And I would just like and comment on everybody's stuff. And that was really kind of what catapulted me. So I would say it was the, the consistency of the posting, posting good content that people liked and listening to what people wanted. And then also taking the time to spend um, interacting with other people and interacting with the people that, you know, that were interacting with me as well. That's actually, there's a small little quote in there, actually, that or or a good piece of nugget that actually is a quote. It's, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, So it's actually interesting. Like you, you, it was born out of like, I got to do something. Um, So I got to make this work. I don't make it. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I was going to ask, I had a note down here. I'm kind of curious. Can we talk about gut health? Yeah. Love gut health. (laughs) so this is one of those topics. So I'm, again, I'm, I'm really kind of ramping up the last four or five years, a lot of stuff around nutrition and, and really doing a lot of research on stuff. And gut health is like my new topic I'm trying to learn about. So for, for me and those folks, listen, can you explain gut health a little bit and maybe some of the nuances of it, maybe some things, you know, foods to eat or avoid, um, I guess, to help or inhibit, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say there, but you know, that's good or bad for you from a gut health standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you have a microbiome, which is essentially a colony of good and bad bacteria in your gut. And that's kind of what is the driving force for your gut health. Um, we're realizing that a lot of people are now experiencing gut issues because a lot of us grew up on antibiotics. I am not at all And this is not, um, I'm not against antibiotics, but I will say that I am against the overuse that we've been, we've, we've just, we've been overusing antibiotics and a lot of it was kind of coming from like a um, naive point of view because we didn't realize that when you take antibiotics, not only does it kill the bad bacteria, but it kills the good bacteria. And we're also realizing that you want some of the bad bacteria in your gut as well. So all I'm saying is that antibiotics are really for that, like, really necessity. Like if you have a cold, don't take antibiotics. So anyways, that being said, um, it's part of the reason why we're seeing so many gut issues now is because we kind of wiped out our entire microbiome a lot as kids taking antibiotics, um, which is why probiotics are a huge thing right now, because by taking a probiotic every day, you're building back up that good bacteria. Like I said, you want a balance of good and bad, good and bad bacteria. You want more good bacteria than you want bad, obviously, but the bad bacteria also plays a role as well. And the reason why gut health is so huge right now um, is because we're realizing that there is a direct connection between your gut and your brain, and it's called the vagus nerve, and it goes from your gut all the way to your brain. Um, So it kind of goes back to this like mind-body connection, and we're realizing that a lot of chronic diseases that we're now facing start in the gut. Um, we're seeing a lot of inflammation in the gut, um, specifically having to do with our diets. Like I was saying earlier, um, we're eating a lot of inflammatory foods like canola oil, um, wheat and soy. We're getting too much of it. It's causing inflammation in the body. And as a result, inflammation is now, we're now seeing that, um, in like a whole slew of chronic disorders. There's a lot of different gut issues that people are experiencing right now, like IBS, Crohn's, And this all kind of comes back to one underlying factor of inflammation and that inflammation is being caused by our diet. Um, You asked about some foods that we can eat that can help the gut, things that um, that will repopulate your gut gut bacteria like sauerkraut, uh, probiotics are great. I'm actually drinking a collagen drink right now 
and collagen peptides are great for your gut because it really, um, it does something what we call as heals and seals the gut. Um, due to a lot of like chronic inflammation, our guts can over time um, get little holes in them essentially. And what happens is then the food um, seeps out through those holes into our bloodstream. And that's kind of what we're, what we, what we think is happening with autoimmune disorders, because then what was supposed to stay in your gut is now getting in your um, immune system and your bloodstream. And then your immune system is attacking it as like a foreign invader. So what collagen does is it comes in and it seals the gut back up in order to um, not allow that food to seep through. Um, I feel like I kind of went on a bit of a tangent there, but if you have any questions. No, no, you, that that's really good. And so can you, can you eat too much, like, like the collagen you mentioned or sauerkraut, like, is there too much at one time that would hurt your gut or is it, it's kind of like, it's almost like eating vitamins. Like, yeah, they're, you can eat a lot of extra vitamins, not going to really actually hurt you probably. Yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah, you can't, I mean, I guess like as with everything in life, you can overdo it. You can overdo it with water, but it's pretty hard. So that's kind of what I would say about collagen. I, I mean, I will say that there are days where, you know, I put collagen in my coffee. I have this collagen water almost every day and I will notice I'll get a stomach ache if I've had too much collagen. Like I'll look back at the end of the day and be like, Oh, that's why my stomach hurt. I had so much collagen. I had bone broth. Um, cause I'll sip on bone broth sometimes, drink a collagen water, put it in my coffee. And then I'm like, Ooh, okay. That was too much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it won't, it won't kill you. Um, and then as far as, you know, the probiotics, the sauerkraut, I say while looking for a um, probiotic, I would aim to get 50 billion a day. Sounds like a lot, but your colony is huge of your microbiome is huge. So it has a way more than 50 billion in there. Um, I was going to say something else about that, but um, yeah, so sauerkraut, same kind of thing. Like it's kind of similar as to like, if somebody was to ask me, can you overdose on broccoli? I mean, I guess technically you could, but who is ever going to eat enough broccoli to overdose on it? It's kind of how it is with collagen and all the fermented stuff like sauerkraut and all that. Okay. That's fair. Um, so last topic I want to talk about is, and you have this on your website, actually, this quote, and I, I think it's just, it's just very on point. If diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. If diet is correct, medicine is of no need. And one of the things I'm, and let's talk about politics for a minute. One of the things I feel is getting so missed, like in all these debates and everything like that is everyone's talking about healthcare reform and we've got to improve healthcare and all this stuff, but no one talks about diet and no one talks about, well, if you actually eat the right food, you don't have to go to the doctor as much. Um, and, and I don't know why folks don't get that correlation. And I'm sure there's talking points. Everyone wants to be on that. But is there anything you'd talk about in terms of medicine and to diet, I guess, standpoint in that realm of like, for people to start maybe eating healthier or what they should look at, like why their doctor, you know, ask these questions, their doctor type thing. I, like, I'm just curious in that realm, because it seems like medicine just keeps getting prescribed and prescribed. But no one talks about diet from a political kind of level, like the debate and you know, that's time of thing, as well as doctors, um, it seems like that's not being talked about as much. I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. Oof, I have so much to say about this. This could literally be an entire podcast. So I will try to summarize it as best as I can. Um, yeah. So the big issue is that in the medical community altogether, where diet is not even being touched. Um, when you're a doctor in the United States and you go through seven years of medical school those doctors are typically getting one credit, one semester out of seven years of nutrition. 
So the fact that people are going to their doctors for nutrition advice is absolutely insane. Um, and this is not anything against doctors. We need doctors. That is a very obvious statement. Um, but I just have to make that clear because I don't want anybody coming after me being like, why is she against doctors? The thing is, is that we have doctors for a certain reason. You go to a doctor, if you break your leg, um, it's more of like an emergency kind of situation. And we should be going to nutritionists or nutrition professionals who are taught. I mean, we, I studied the body for four years and I've been, well, I've really been studying for the last like 10 years, but like medically speaking in school. And that's all we did was we studied the body, how food affects it. So people are going to their doctors looking for nutrition advice. And that's part of the reason why we, we are where we are, because we're not practicing preventative health care. If we were to practice preventative health care, which means treat the body, treat the diet first, and then see how the body responds, because we are not giving our bodies enough credit. I say this all the time. If you give your body the right tools to perform and to heal itself, it will heal itself. Our bodies are miraculous. Like think about like you, you know, you cut your arm and then you just put a little ointment on it, you clean it. And then it, it literally seals and heals itself up unless if it's like a really deep cut. But, but my point being is that our bodies, if given the right tools and left alone, it can, it can heal itself. Now, obviously there's always going to be a time, you know, an emergency situation or just, you know, it's, it's a case by case situation, sometimes you need more of an intervention than just food. I absolutely recognize that. However, if we treat first from the food and let your body heal itself from the inside out, most of the time it, it help it heals itself. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time when I was younger and I was unaware of my gluten allergy. I used to have these white bumps up and down my arm. We could not figure out what it was. No cream in the world would make them go away. The second I went gluten-free and got rid of the inflammation in my body, they were just gone almost overnight, just gone. Um, same kind of thing. I used to get, um, to be honest, I never got diagnosed with this, so I don't know for sure what it is, but looking back, I think I used to get eczema under my eyes. Same kind of thing. It was an allergic reaction to the gluten. The second that I took the gluten out, I mean, it was gone. It was literally gone in under a week. And instead of treating with food, you know, you go to your doctor and you're like, oh, I have this rash under my eye. They're like, oh, take this pill, take this cream, do this and that and that and that. You're just putting a Band-Aid on it. You're not getting to the root cause of, the, of what's actually going on. And that's my biggest gripe with the medical community is that we're not, we're just, you know, you go into your doctor, they have maybe five minutes to see you and you tell them all this stuff. And instead of them, you know, sitting down with you for an hour being like, What's your diet like? What's your um, exercise routine? Like what, what's going on in your life? Do you use toxic products in your bathroom? Like there's so many things that could be contributing to that rash, but instead you're just throwing a pill and sent out the door. I want to say that there is a movement of medical doctors now called functional medicine doctors. They're medically trained. They've gone through the same med school as conventional doctors. However, they, they have a more holistic approach. So I see one in LA or they're also called integrative. So you can look for either an integrative or um, a functional medicine doctor. When I go in and see my doctor, um, the first two sessions that I ever had with her were both an hour long. We sat down. It was almost like a therapy session. She was like, I want to know about your lifestyle. I want to know what you eat. I want to know, um, are you drinking enough water? I want to know about what's going on in your lifestyle just outside of the symptoms that you're experiencing because everything in your body is connected and I could be experiencing a symptom, let's say like on my thyroid and it's connected to my adrenals or whatever it is. So if you can, I highly recommend everyone to go see one of these doctors because they will sit down, 
They'll give you an hour each session. Now the sessions I go in and they're like, they're 30 minutes instead of an hour. Um, but essentially her first route is to figure out what's going on in your life instead of just giving me drugs. If she assesses and is like, Hey, you know what, this is above just a diet thing. Then she can prescribe me antibiotics or, you know, any sort of drug, but you want to treat it from the inside out first. That's, that's phenomenal. That's a great way to end on too. I know, you. you know, our time is short and, uh, and obviously that's just, uh, I think that'll open up a lot of questions, hopefully for people that are listening on this and ways they should be kind of looking at their own body and, and own health and nutrition. Um, where can yeah. everyone find you online if they want to connect with you? Yeah. So I'm real foodology across the board. It's just real foodology. Um, Instagram, I have Facebook. I'm not as, to be honest, I'm mostly active on my Instagram and I also have a blog. It's realfoodology.com. Courtney, thanks so much for this. This was, uh, this was pretty awesome. I learned a lot. I'm sure, uh, hopefully the listeners did as well. Thank you so much. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview and look forward to having you for the next one. And if you are getting value out of this podcast, please head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review. Let me know how I'm doing. It's the only way I'm going to be able to make this podcast better each and every episode. And go connect with me online at Brian Andreco on Instagram or Twitter, or head over to my website, BrianAndreco.com, where I house the podcasts, you know, my CrossFit journey, a ton of blog articles. I even have a now page to kind of keep people up to speed on the last couple months. Um, at worst, it gives my mom peace of mind to keep tabs on me and know that I'm doing okay. So I hope you guys continue to do great. Um, I look forward to having you on another episode and keeping connected online. Take care. Have a phenomenal week. And we'll talk to you soon.